When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to the latest Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're watching or you're listening live or archived, we're so glad you could join us today as we record on Monday, September 16th, and recap Virginia Tech's 24-17 win over the Furman Paladins on Saturday. Our crew today, as always, we've got Malcolm, yes, he's related, Stewart, behind the scenes producing on the podcast set, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart, and our managing editor, Chris Coleman. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks to everybody for being with us. Gentlemen, happy Monday morning to you all. Take a deep breath and exhale. It was and a let's podcast. It was a uh, there it, it was a lot of lot going on this weekend <laughs> at Lane Stadium, but I'll ask you guys how was your overall uh, game weekend experience at Lane? Oh, it was good. It was normal weekend, you know, except for the closeness of the game against an fcs opponent but other than that it was it was fine it was normal did you, did you drink some stick it in uh, ale this weekend uh i don't think i did okay yeah ah blasphemy I was say, i'm sure will did <laughs> yes i had yeah, it friday good. friday night and saturday we had killer parking space we had it uh lot two up actually against, wait up i did the grass. i did i did they yeah, had you were there I was about to, I was well, no, no, but i didn't drink on friday night <clears throat> remember Hmm. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, okay. uh, I did at the tailgate on Saturday though. They had some. I was trying to right. perfectly tee up, stick it in hell, and then yeah. Chris just you know. no. But I forgot that I, I did have like two at the tailgate. Okay, good. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was, it was good. Uh, the weather was not what I expected. Got a little bit of a sunburn. Got a little bit of that those that east stand sunburn. Yep. You know that's on this left side of your face. So. This is not a problem on the uh, on the podcast video because the camera's over there <laughs> on, on my newly. It's showing your good side. <clears throat> That's right. Plus, I got a pretty decent tan in the face and arms because I drive around in the convertible all the time. So it's not. Man, I remember some of those September games just getting roasted and going back to work on uh, on on Monday, and you're burned on one side of your face, and everybody's looking at you like, "What'd you do this weekend?" And the Hokie fans <laughs> are like, "Went to the game, didn't you?" Yep. Yeah, it started off kind of cloudy in the morning, and then it was sunny by kickoff. So yeah, I, I was out. you know we all had our rain gear. We were told there was a chance of rain, and man, by the end of the game, no, there was a chance of sunburn, is what there was. We've got a lot to get to today on the Tech Sideline podcast. We will recap Virginia Tech's win over Furman, uh, some of the players that stood out, some of the things that can be improved upon as Virginia Tech does enter their bye week uh, this weekend, and we will do a little bit of big picture thinking towards the end of the podcast. A reminder that this week and every week, the TSL podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DOI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal. Com. Before we jump into tech football talk, though, we have a podcast set update. With that, here's Will Stewart. 
Yes, so if you're watching the video for the first time, we have a two camera setup. We have a multi-camera setup, we got two. We have a regular uh, camera there in the middle. And then we have a camera on the side showing the handsome young guys, Evan and Chris. We do not have a camera on me yet. I imagine someday we will. I apologize for that, but at least that's in the future. Um, so I will remind everybody that uh, to some extent, this is still amateur hour. We're still learning our way here. And uh, we got some good feedback last week on the audio. I'll give, I'll give an example of amateur hour. Uh, we got some good feedback on the audio. Someone was saying, you know, when I listen to the podcast, you know, you need to improve your mic discipline. So I go and uh, do a little research on these mics that we use, their Audio-Technica AT2020s. And I watch a review of them, and the first thing I realize is that we're not speaking into them correctly. We're speaking into the ends of them, and you are supposed to speak into the side of them. And two minutes into the review, the guy goes, the back of the mic is labeled back. Don't talk into this part of the mic. Talk into the other. Oh, really? 78 podcasts in, and you're just now telling me there's a back on our microphones. So uh, um, give us some feedback. Be nice. The comment that we got wasn't particularly nice can't believe you guys haven't fixed this yet whoa chill out it's us man we're on your side you know give us some right. positive feedback say listen when i listen to it this happens that happens you guys need to work on that uh so we hope the audio is a little better it was uh we'll fess up it was evan's mic that was turned around backwards i apologize <laughs> fortunately you have a voice that carries um so what else can i tell you oh if you're if you're watching the video today and you're seeing the pretty pictures on the television that's because our chromecast just decided to quit you know, we can't transmit a picture, a fun picture to it this week. We had a great picture of Deshaun Crawford. Oh, yeah. his... John, John Fleming got a got an awesome picture of Deshaun Crawford we we're going to put up on the television. But when I went to Chromecast it to the television, the Chromecast isn't there. And so. if you really want to see it, it's on the TSL homepage. Right? Yeah, right. right. Yeah. It's, so, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's, go it's, to it's, TSL or just imagine Deshaun Crawford being super excited after his first <laughs> career sack. He had a good game. He yes. did, and we will talk about him in just a little so bit. So anyway, that's a podcast update. So we're going two cameras for the first time, and, and we're continuing to work on the audio, and we just get a little bit better every week. Will Stewart, he works around the clock, folks. He does everything it's to make true. this go. So it's, it's true. Thank you for all you are doing, Will. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and jump into it. Hokies uh, pick up their second win of the year, 24-17, to 17, the final score. Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, it was a little bit of a roller coaster of a game. How do you sum up the win for Virginia Tech? I think I think last week when you asked that question about ODU, I said bland. And well, I, after this week, I would take bland all day long, you know, because I was pretty ugly. Um, I think Justin Fuente said after the game on the radio, he was like, watching that crap makes you sick to your stomach. That's what he said on the radio to Mike Burnup after the game. He wasn't specific about what he was referring to, but, so we think he meant the whole game. Uh, would think he specifically meant the offense, <laughs> you know, uh, and I, I wouldn't disagree with him there. Um, I thought the, I think the defense has shown improvements. Uh, I was Will and I both picked Furman to score twenty four points, and on Friday I went around and looked at the predictions of a number of Virginia Tech riders, and a lot of them picked Furman to score twenty four points. That seemed to be the consensus. Furman scored 17, and really two of those were two of those touchdowns. Both the touchdowns were off turnovers, very short fields. So the Tech defense played better than most analysts thought they would play this week. Yeah, thought, including including us, including I, I, us. I, I thought Furman would roll up honestly 300, 350 yards and, and some points. I I thought they would possess the ball consistently. Yeah, uh, but Tech. I thought Tech was disciplined, more disciplined than they had been as far as. Uh, 
you know, not biting on fakes, uh, playing your responsibilities instead of crashing down on those option plays, uh, keeping containment, everything like that. I, I, I just think uh, just a much better overall performance. Yeah, yes, it's Furman, but no matter who you're playing, you know, you know, your mental discipline as far as playing your assignments and things like that, you know, it needs to be there. And it wasn't necessarily there all the time in the first two games, and I, I, they were much better as far as that goes against Furman on Saturday. So that, so that was encouraging. What was not encouraging was the performance of the offense. We've seen the offense drop week by week in total yardage. And maybe now we understand why our highest yardage output was against Boston College. Because Boston College gave up 48 points and 300 and some rushing yards to Kansas. On yeah, Kansas Friday smoked night. BC. Can- 48 Kansas to destroyed. Do you see it was their first road win against a Power Five team since 2008? Yeah, that game was in Chestnut Hill because right. that's the first thing your brain. It's not. It's not like playing at Kansas is a pit, you know. But hmm. your first thought was, oh, did Boston College go to Kansas? No, Kansas went into Chestnut Hill the same way Virginia Tech went into Chestnut Hill, and the result was very different. Yeah, so uh, you don't believe in the, in the transitive property in football at all. I don't. Uh, it's not that Boston College lost to, to Kansas. It's, you know, it's, and it's not that Boston College beat Virginia Tech, but it, it's, it's what Kansas did in that game and what Virginia Tech didn't do in that game. I mean, Virginia Tech got smashed up front and couldn't run the football. Kansas averaged 7.2 seven yards per carry, right. something like that, and rushed for well over 300 yards. At one point in that game, they had a little over little over 300 yards rushing, and they had averaged over nine yards a carry. Their average dropped a little bit in the fourth they were, quarter. They were, they were just, the lead. Yeah, yeah. BC was just selling out to stop the run. They knew Kansas was going to run it. Um, so, you see, it takes Virginia Tech a half to really get the running game going against Furman, a team that gave up 48 points the week before against Georgia State who, by the way, lost to Western Michigan 57-10 to 10 this past week. Who beat Tennessee. Uh, right. Uh, so it's just, Tennessee's bad. Uh, I'm a, I, I would probably pick Tech to beat Tennessee, maybe. But anyway, uh, it's just like, so, so what's wrong here? Yeah, the evidence is starting to accumulate. Yeah. This, this is three games now. It's, it's three games now. Um, some of it is youth. Now let's – all right, in the second half, or at one point in the first, it was in the second quarter when Janzy got benched, I guess. Yeah, it was very second, late second very quarter. Very late yeah. second quarter, yeah. At that, you know, at that point, Virginia Tech had a true freshman at center, a true freshman at right guard, a redshirt freshman at right tackle, a true freshman at tailback, a true freshman at starting at slot, and a redshirt freshman starting at outside receiver. So that's over 50% of the starting offense is freshmen, yeah. which is – Tech is only going to beep it's so good. But they just seem to be getting worse, and that's the problem. Why has Silas Janzi regressed since his redshirt freshman year? If you recall, he was a starting right tackle in the UVA game at the end of last season when Tech ran for 250 yards. I mean, Tech bludgeoned a pretty darn good UVA defense at the end of the last year on the ground, ran all over him. Janzi was the starting right tackle for that game. So he goes from being able to block a good UVA defense to not being able to block Old Dominion and Furman. Yeah, and so, you know what's what's the issue there? And 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 let's not let's not beat him up vaguely. Let's be specific. He uh, had a couple of uh, false start penalties, um, gave up a couple of sacks, mm-hmm. and yep. and was on the side where a third sack was given up. So when I talk about him giving up two sacks, if I'm remembering my game film correctly, this is one on one. He was beaten one on one by a defensive end, 
And then the third sack that was given up was a blitzer from his side. Um, you, you never know exactly what people's reads and responsibilities are in those situations. So Well, they took him out after that third one. Actually, right? the third the, – I'm talking – I think that was the second one. The third one was one-on-one. He, okay. just, he just got beat, and that's okay. when they pulled okay. him. Um, you know, the second one may or may not be, you know, quote-unquote his fault. But, uh, you know, Chris Chris looked up his grade on, on Pro Football Focus. It, what was I forget the exact grade, but it was by far the worst on the team. It was – I think you it, said 36. 30, so that sounds about right. And, yeah. and it's uh, – But I, by comparison, Luke Tenuta, his replacement, was a 71. And Luke played a lot so, of snaps. He right. played. He played a full half. Stuff. So um, that's, that's the second week in a row they've pulled Janzi for Tenuta, and Tenuta's, Tenuta has come in and graded out seventy plus. Yeah, so, so something something's not right with Silas Janzi, and you know it, it's it's hard to say what is he hurt. You know we don't know. Does he have something personal going on? Uh, what's the story? We don't know. All we can do is appraise his performance, and it hasn't been good. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Going back to the game, down 14-3 at halftime. What did not go right for Virginia Tech in that first half? So, in, in reviewing the film, you know, the, the defense was playing well. Uh, Furman had, uh, let's see, minus five yards on their first possession and like three yards on their second possession or something like that. No first downs. Then Trey Turner fumbles and, and Furman scores. They, they get a couple first downs and score a touchdown. And then uh, was it the, the next possession that uh, um, Willis threw the interception? If it wasn't the next possession, it, it was, was the, the possession one after, after that. that. The yeah. one he overthrew the receiver? Yeah. You know, the, the game was going – it wasn't going great offensively. You know, Tech, uh, Tech didn't roll to a touchdown on their first possession. They had, they had two false starts, one of which they recovered from, and the second one they didn't recover from it. So they had to kick a field goal. Um, so the, it wasn't going great for the offense, but the defense was playing well. And then the turnover. And I also one of the things I looked for when I watched the uh, the game film last night, I thought in the stands that it was just dead, that there was no enthusiasm from anywhere. All right. So let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. Um, in watching the game film, there was enthusiasm on the part of the defense early in the game. They had a they had a couple plays in the backfield and guys were you know slapping people on helmets and and it was old school everybody mobbing the guy who who made the tackle then the turnover happened the touchdown happened and lane the air went out of lane stadium not that there was a lot in it at that point (laughs) but it just it got really quiet and really flat and then they came out in the second half and uh you know they got uh Help me out with the sequence here. Tech got a turnover, I think, or a couple big plays on offense. Well, they, uh, they Furman punted. Tech had the and that's Fur- when Furman that's when punted. Kishon, then Kishon King broke off the back-to-back runs, and then Furman turned it over. Right, yeah. and and these things, and I was paying a lot of te- of attention to just the energy in the stadium, and it went way up. So I got to thinking about this stuff, and here's Captain Obvious reporting for duty. Um, you know, fans. One of the things that there, there's – I don't think the fans and the team are as engaged as we've seen them in the past. And one of the reasons they are not is, you know, to, to get fans fired up, you need playmakers. And Virginia Tech used to get a lot of plays from the defense. They would get sacks and TFLs and turnovers. And they would get a lot of plays from special teams as well. They would block a punt or they'd have a punt return. None of that stuff is happening anymore mm-hmm. uh, in in compared to the way it used to there used to be a lot of that stuff going on so it just becomes this thing where you're 
giving up some yards. Maybe the other team's punting. You're trying to get some offense going, and you don't, and you got to punt, and back and forth you go, and there's just no energy. Well, early in the second half, they had a couple of long runs, a couple of, of exceptional runs from Kashawn King. They had a turnover, and they scored off of it. And then I think there was another turnover. You know, it just – the energy went up. And that's been one of the things that's been missing. So, you know, if, if you, you asked a question about kind of like what happened, and, you know, Tech was doing okay until they started turning it over themselves, and that's when the energy went out. And then when they made some plays and made things happen in the second half, you know, if you just look at the second half, the second half was 21-3, uh, to 3, right? Yeah. You do yeah. that for a whole game, it's 42 to 6. Everybody's satisfied. Everybody's happy, right. You know? Well, you know, the energy came back in the stadium when Kashawn King started breaking some tackles on that 15-yard run, right? And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, a tech running back breaking some tackles. Imagine that. Yeah. You, you uh, know? Uh, so, I, I think I think it's easier uh, – well, let me rephrase that. I think the crowd loses its fire a lot easier these days than it used to. You need to get the crowd involved early. If you don't, they're gonna they're just gonna be flat the rest of the game. I mean, that's not old school Lane Stadium in there even anymore. Even even when Tech is good on, on a regular game, I don't feel like it's uh it's quite what it, what it used to be. I'm not yeah, it's sure really why. not. Yeah. You know, and well, I mean, this and I mean, I want at the ODU game last week. There were two girls sitting about five rows in front of me and to my right, and they spent five to ten minutes of the first quarter finding the perfect selfie angle with the field behind them instead of actually watching the game. So, I mean, that's what people do these days at games. They, a lot of them, especially the younger crowd, the, the, the student crowd, it's more about the social, ex, social experience than the actual game. It's, it's the oddest thing to go on a tangent, okay? Uh, went to uh, Myrtle Beach in, in August, sitting out on the beach and watched uh, three or four teenage girls spend half an hour to an hour taking pictures on their cell phones to post on Instagram later posing 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 it's it's this I I can't and I I don't I don't know I I don't want to criticize because that's just how it is um but I just I don't get it (laughs) I mean I mean I it's not whether that I get it or don't get it I don't I don't really care but if you're looking for an answer as to why Lane isn't as loud as it used to be, well, part of it's because the team's not as good and there's not as much to cheer about. But also part of it is, is that, uh, you know, the students are the there. The focus on self right. versus the focus on being part of something larger. Right, correct. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at the student section at halftime, it was it was empty the second half. I, I'll be on my, my freshman year, I was sitting in the student section and a couple of my buddies were like, hey, we're, it was the North Carolina game where Tech absolutely demolished North Carolina. Let's go. Well, why not stay for the whole game? It's just it, that's not the, the students don't want to stay for a full game anymore. Except your Clemson and your Notre Dame, that's the exception to the rule. Yeah. Well, so. you know, it's it's harder to keep people's attention these days, and I think really things need to be moving at a fast pace to keep people's attention. And all these t- timeouts in football these days. Um, two minutes and thirty-five. Two seconds. minutes and thirty. Now we know how long they now, are. Now we know how, how long they are. And they are. Uh, there's just so many of them, and and I, I I just think that 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 hurts the viewing experience, the live viewing experience right. from the stadium. Yeah. All those timeouts and stuff. I mean, I understand that you have to do that to get all that TV money that comes in because that's what pays for everything yeah. these days. But I, I do think it hurts the live viewing experience in in this day and age. 
um, with how society has moved. Um, I just think football is a very slow sport. It's hard to keep people's attention for three and a half hours with so many stoppages, in, in my opinion. Interesting. And, and, and it's not any one thing. I know people Correct. are sitting here listening to us or watching us, and they're like, oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. You know, it's, it's a combination of things that – and there, there's a phrase that I, I, that I can't it's, – it's death by a thousand tiny cuts. Yeah. Nothing killed the energy all at once. It was all just an accumulation of things, you know. And one of the things that, uh, and, and I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before. I know I've written about it. Um, when Tech played Tennessee in the 2009 uh, Chick-fil-A Bowl, I had a VHS tape of the 1994 Gator Bowl when Tech played Tennessee, and I went back and watched that to just kind of refresh my memory to feed a column I was writing. 1994, the commercial breaks were a minute long. Two commercials, boom, boom, you're right back at it. Not as many games were televised back then. So you would go to a game and, and stuff would, first of all, there's no video board, nothing to distract you from what's going on in the field, no cell phones. You'd get wrapped up in the action. If there were breaks, they were short. And so the energy level could get up in the stadium and stay up, particularly when you're sacking the quarterback and blocking punts and things like that. It just built on itself. And now, so that game the other day was actually short. It was it was about exactly three hours. That was a really short football game, I guess, because Furman ran the ball so much. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but now there there are things to take your attention away and slow down the pace that come at you all game long. So there is not a solution. Everybody talks about this stuff, and we've gotten way off topic here. So. And that's yeah. t- I was, but this was a good conversation because there there were there were fans leaving early. From the game and so so part of what's going on with the students is is um you know they they sit in the metal bleachers in the north end zone and they fry it gets hot down there from what i understand and and malcolm can feed into this or not i don't if, if there's water for sale down there it's four bucks a bottle there is no refilling station down there for water bottles um i again i was in the east stands the middle of the east stands not the northeast end but there's a water bottle refilling station, and the line is it's, like 40 I went, people I walked long. right by it, and yeah, it's, it was huge. And Good I turned to the time. guy next to me, and I said, I watched this line. I, said, I was standing in a concession line last year, and I watched this line. These kids stand in that line for 20 minutes. They miss half a quarter to a quarter if they come down here to refill their water bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a – so, you know – Malcolm kind of and, and, and I, if you're listening on the podcast we don't have Malcolm tied into the audio so we'll, yeah, we'll repeat what he says I'm here oh he's in okay yes, so he's in he is so is, is that accurate do they have water for sale underneath the north stands um, do they have refilling stations what's the deal down there there's nothing under the north stands except people in neon vests that tell you you need to leave because you can't walk straight so <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest a lot of these kids show up and they've been on center street and they're you know they're drinking so they're de- they're dehydrated you yeah. show up already dehydrated and you sit out in direct sunlight for three and a half maybe four hours sure you just want to go home after a while yeah especially with Furman. especially when it's 14 to 3 Furman yeah, after the half first time. half when an <laughs> fcs team is smacking you around and you're just you you're dehydrated and you can't think straight. You just want to leave. Yeah, I, uh, I forget which game it was at last year, but uh, I, w- I was in a concession stand line, and I bought a girl a water because she didn't have any money. She was parched. She was so yeah. dehydrated. She shouldn't have still been in the stadium, honestly. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I don't and blame them for, for leaving. I'm, I'm pretty sure the administration knows this, too. This is feedback they've gotten. Right. Um, so Interesting. Again, we'll tie it back to the game. A huge tangent, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, listen, I, I do want to quickly talk about this. And then av- it's like after halftime things, we'll talk about the positives from this game. But sure. Will and I were talking before the podcast began about tech and turnovers. And that has been a common theme in the first three games. And, Will, I know you have the numbers in front of you right now. But Virginia Tech turnover-wise, through three games – has the worst margin of any FBS team. And I know any Will Power 5 team. I'm sorry, correct. Power 5. My apologies. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, let me let me find it. I've got it written here somewhere. Let me, let me flip my page yes. over. I believe they're the third worst in FBS. Yeah, so out of 130 ranked teams, Virginia Tech is number 127 in uh, turnovers lost. All right. Number 124 in turnover margin. Number, number 79 in turnovers gained. So, you know, I think Furman turned it over twice, twice. right? Yeah. And that, those were the second and third turnovers that Tech's gotten all year. They'd only gotten one before that. Um, so so that's the deal there at the very bottom in terms of turnovers lost and turnover margin. The three teams ahead of Virginia Tech was New Mexico State, Hawaii, and Georgia. South Alabama. South Alabama. Actually behind Tech. So number 128, 129, and 130 yeah. are those three teams. So, Chris, when you hear that and you look at the turnovers, obviously it's been addressed, and obviously Justin Fuente is key in on that. Why is it this team is turning the football over, in your opinion? I mean, Willis just played horribly against Boston College. I mean, that, that was that was all him. Um, for the and uh, what were the other what were the other turnovers? Uh, a muff punt. Yes. Uh, uh, another Willis interception this past Saturday, and was there a Willis fumble? Who 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 was the fumble? Oh, uh, it was Trey. Trey Turner. It was Trey, Trey Turner. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think there's one reason for it. Um, guys are just turning it over. I mean, I remember after the 2016 season, Virginia Tech had nine turnovers after the first two games, right? Right, and, and they, they were all fumbles. And they were all fumbles. Um, and they didn't have as much of a problem the rest of the season. With turnovers, uh, I think yeah, they, they can they be got clamped down on yeah, quickly. Yeah, I think they can be random to a certain extent. Like, I mean, Tech could come out against Duke and not turn it over at all. I do think there's some randomness to it, um, but I, I don't think there's one, there's not one reason Tech is turning it over. Um, I think for the most part, it's it's half those turnovers are because Willis had an awful game against Boston College. Um, but I mean, there's nothing you can put your finger on i mean it's a muff punt it's an interception it's a running it's a wide receiver fumbling it's a quarterback fumbling it's a running back fumbling i mean it's not like there's one position group that you can identify as the culprit i mean it's it's everybody collectively it's talking about is like talking about free throw shooting right you know when the when the team goes out and shoots 65 percent from the line in a game and and fans say don't they practice free throw shooting it's important well right Duh, you and, know, and, and yes, Virginia Tech football practices ball security. I mean, we we, we watch them do it. it. Yeah, We've yeah, seen them do right. it. I yeah. mean, that, that uh, doesn't mean they're gonna. This thing was this game though that that the turnover from Turner led to the first Furman touchdown. They got some momentum off that turnover, so it. Yeah. But they did clean that up in the second half. And Willis and and reversed it actually, which was the key. Yep, and and you you, you take out the interception from Willis statistically one of his better games of the year 17 well from a percentage standpoint but it makes no sense that tech couldn't hit anything down the field against Furman after georgia's georgia state lit him up well bud said after the game that that that's the way Furman defended him they gave him the underneath stuff i, I mean they as they should but 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 still you would think you would you would be able to break well i don't i don't necessarily mean a 40 yard pass downfield but hit something to tavion robinson and there's green grass in front sure. of him or right. something you know uh 
It just wasn't there. So let's transition to the second half where, as Will said, Virginia Tech outscores from a 21-3. to The offense gets going a little bit. Virginia Tech gets its second consecutive win of the season. Let's start with the running. We've talked about him. Like Sean King, 12 carries, 119 yards, the long of 54, a couple of great cutbacks in the open field. He really got the ball rolling, so to speak, and the momentum back mm -hmm. on Tech's side. We knew Tech had to run the football better against Furman, and they did it, and Kashawn King, he had that breakout game. Yeah, and always to put up big rushing numbers, you know, it's not like you're going to go out there and carry the ball five, five for five or six yards every time, every handoff, right? I mean, there's going to be one, two-yard gains in there, but to have a really productive day rushing, you've got to break off a couple of big runs. Like, mm -hmm. like Kansas against Boston College, they averaged 7.6 or 7 yards per carry, but – it's not like they carried it seven to eight yards every, every single play. Single there was an 82-yarder in there. There was a 50-some yarder in there. You know, yeah. so but you have to have big plays in the running game to have a productive running game. And Tech finally got a big play in the running game from Kashawn King. Uh, broke some tackles uh, on the on the 15-yard run, and then made he some he really good three cuts. tackles. On yeah, the he sure did. Run. Yeah, exactly. And um, this this is he's probably uh, still 18 years old. Sure. He's, he's not, well. He's got braces. Big. He's yeah. a kid. He's not as big and physical as he's going to get. Right, ex exactly. So, you know, it was a good sign to see a Tech running back do that. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know, man. I just – I don't think that running game is going to be good this year. I think he's Tech's running, best running back. But when you look – he's a true freshman. And when you, what you're looking at up front is a true freshman center, Brian Hudson, who they plan to redshirt. Yeah. And now he – they plan to redshirt as an offensive tackle, and now he's a starting center. I mean, he's their fourth option at center. That's what they're down to. And Nestor's a right guard. A right guard is a true freshman. And now you're, one of your more experienced offensive linemen is a redshirt sophomore, and all of a sudden he can't play. So yeah. you've got a redshirt freshman at right tackle. So three freshmen blocking for a freshman. That's not going to work. So and, uh, and one of the areas where you see that manifesting itself is in pass protection and the inability to pick up uh, – what looks to my untrained eye like just simple blitzes late blitz hudson missed that late blitz in the second half yeah. it was just too late to get over to the left of the guy and and and, and some of it I, I did remember seeing one where they ran a stunt they flipped two guys and uh the tech offensive lineman got intent on trying to pick that up and then here comes the corner blitzer or, or linebacker blitzing untouched the, these guys are young and they they haven't played together and they'll get better at it but so back back to the Kashawn King thing, um, you know everybody talks about the the 15 yard run or the 54 yard run or, or whatever distances they were, but I, I I've noticed a couple of plays that I'll highlight in today's article that this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. I don't want to invoke the name Ryan Williams because that is, you know they they don't those guys don't grow on trees. But what Ryan Williams was really good at was taking a play where there was nothing and getting three to five yards out of it. And I actually saw that from Kashawn King a couple of times. One of them, he bounced into the line, came reverse back. I think it was in the right side of the line. He reversed back and came through the left side of the line. Did the same thing against BC from, from so, right to left. So watching it live, I'm going, uh, oh, he's cutting back. He might get one or two yards out of this. And he, he just, he's got the vision and he kind of squirts five yards forward. And the next thing you know, a total nothing play is a five-yard gain. And that, to me, is way more valuable than, yes, the long runs are, are nice and important, but being able to take what was going to be a second and ten and turn it into a second and five, that's extremely valuable. And that's the kind of thing Virginia Tech's been missing 
for literally years they've had some decent backs but right. not guys that can make something out of nothing consistently yeah uh no doubt and he's still got a ways to go you see him running into blockers sometimes and things like that and he missed one hole the, the he did and Saturday, you know yeah. there was always the caveat that it's Furman's defense and right. they can't stop anybody uh so uh but at the same time i do think it's pretty clear that he's tech's best back i thought yeah. he would be and I, I wasn't feeling that before this game but i, I definitely saw it in this well game. he's a guy that he's got to get into the open field to show what he's able to do and he hasn't he hasn't gotten into the open field at all the first two games but you see what he can do now when he gets into the open field that that the problem the issue is getting him into the open right. field you look at the the numbers between him and Sean McLeese they both had about the same amount of carries King had 12 carries McLeese had 10 but McLeese 24 yard, yards averaged 2.4 yards per carry King 119 he averaged 9.9 .9 yards per carry and, and I do not I don't a, recall McLeese breaking a single tackle what was his longest run McLeese's longest run was four yards. Four yards, right. right. So that tells you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the third game of the season. Honestly, McLeese is probably hurt. And I don't, I'll, <laughs> Come on, be nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that to be negative. But we've run the numbers before. And, and his production declines. His, his, he's always the best in the first game and the last game. And in the middle, his production goes down. Right. And I've always assumed it's because he's a smallish guy and up. he gets banged up and he's not as healthy. So back to Kashawn King, 12 carries, and he was beat up. Man. He, he only, he he got only hurt, carried yeah. the ball 12 times. Yeah. So the, the, the word is uh, thigh bruise. You know, so good, good, so a good week to have a bye week. Yeah, that, that's for, the for rumor. A lot the coaches, of reasons. Yeah. coaches didn't say that. That's just the rumor. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. So um, he was smiling after the game, though. There's a picture yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trey Turner, five attempts, 68 yards, uh, a touchdown along of 29, of course. Uh, let's talk about the, he, how he was able to bounce back. Uh, I always like the word resiliency, and you know, Coach Fuente talked about in the in the uh, press conference afterwards when he went up to him at halftime and basically said something along the lines of, "I've had way more interceptions in my career as a quarterback than you have fumbling." And Which is true, by the way. We looked up Fuente's stats, and they were <laughs> not. What was it? Ten <laughs> touchdowns and eighteen interceptions. Was that what it was? Something like that. Well, he's playing for John Blake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the, but, the but caveat. There. Listen, Trey, Turner after after fumbling and Fuente saying that he was, I think the word he used was inconsolable. I mean, he was so upset about fumbling. He didn't look good walking off the field. It seemed like he wanted to take as much time before he got to the sideline as possible. Yeah, you yeah. know, don't take it so hard, guys. No. Come on, man. So, so uh, I saw somebody say, and I think it was one of the guys halftime of the ACC Network said they they got to talking about the turnovers. And I thought his comment was very fair. He said, you know, I think he, I think the term is tunnel screen. He said those tunnel screens. That's tough. You catch the ball and you immediately got to figure out where all the defenders are. Mm -hmm. He said so. That's. Uh, he didn't use the phrase excusable turnover, you know, but uh, that's a that's not an easy play. And Trey, it's not like Trey is 6'4", 230. You know, he's a guy that I, I would imagine – I know I'd get a little skittish running across the middle like that. So uh, he should not be inconsolable, man. Relax. It's a mistake, okay? Trey Turner is 6'2", 190. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he was really a spark in the second half. And we talked about last week on the podcast how Turner had not seen as much production as I, th I think that some fans were hoping to see. Mm -hmm. It was good, I'm sure, to see Turner get as many touches, get the ball as much as he did against Ryan. I would agree with that. The way I see it, you know, Tech's best play playmakers are Trey, Kashawn, Tavion. Uh, Tavion Robinson, and probably James Mitchell. Those would be the four yeah. guys you'd want to throw the ball to, most likely that a big play is happening. That's two true freshmen and two true sophomores. But, I mean, Virginia Tech's offense should be based around those four guys touching the ball as often as possible. And, uh, you know, 
part of if there's been a lack of production on Trey's part, part of that they've been throwing the ball to Tavion Robinson so much up, up until this game. And uh, we need to get Damon Hazelton back to. Yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, we've all been very complimentary of Caleb Smith, and he's deserved it. He's a redshirt freshman. But, my gosh, this is another freshman starting on offense for Virginia Tech because another upperclassman is hurt. Yeah. Uh, you, I don't want to go through the whole season. Caleb Smith should be catching 15 to 20 passes in a backup role right now at this point in his career. He got that scholarship. He deserved the scholarship. He's a solid player, but he doesn't need to be starting right now. You need to get Damon Hazleton back, a guy who caught – 55 or 60 passes last year um i mean that 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 would be let's not discount the absence of hazelton here right sure and of course he's roommates with willis and the two of them are close and there's a chemistry between the two of them uh caleb smith you go back and watch that 54 yard run by the way was caleb smith i don't know if you guys are sprinting down i put that in my article yesterday that was a great effort on that play yeah for sure so so for hazelton's sake though as Fuente said there's been some practices he's looked really good and then there's been some he's looked hurt. I'm sure, again, the bye week, many of reasons. But you know, for him, you would hope that he's ready to go next Friday against Duke, correct? Yeah, and I would have held him out of this game no matter what because I don't want which him to be injured, so good. which they did. You know, the, you know the saying that football coaches use, if you can't practice, you can't play? Because guys will say they're hurt to get out of practice and things like that. And then you tell them, okay, 6 a.m. in the training room. And by the way, if you can't practice this week, then, then you can't play on Saturday. And, and amazing when you tell football players that they all of a sudden get healthy, right? So why is it not the other way around? All right, if you can't play, you can't, you shouldn't be able to practice, right? So if he's not healthy enough to play, I don't know how much practicing he's doing. Mm. But if he's not healthy enough to play, why? And he's been, I mean, they practiced him the day after the BC game that he didn't. And that was when Fuente said, oh, he, had a, about he looked that. really good today. Said you're going to have a good He's, week. He, right, you're, and you're going to play next week. And then the Tuesday practice, he didn't look as good. Why are they if – it, if it's like that, like, why, why are you practicing him? If he, if, you, if he hasn't been able to play, why, how has he been able to practice, right? Yeah. Now, and I say that not knowing exactly how much he's practicing to find practice for him, right? I don't know. But I want that guy healthy, man. Uh ACC schedule starting up now. You got Duke coming in, and you need all your your, your guys as healthy as possible. Um, and I'm I'm not a trainer, and I don't understand hamstring injuries or anything like that. But it does sound like he's been working in practice some, but been unable to play on Saturdays. But it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Let's uh let's do this. Let's take a timeout here on the Tech Sideline Podcast, which is presented each and every week by the Fisher Law Firm. We'll come back. We'll talk about the defense, and then we'll do some general overview questions. We'll get to your questions on Facebook, and then we'll call it a podcast. Again, you're listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back aboard the Tech Sideline podcast recording on Monday morning. Today is September the 16th. So glad everybody could join us, whether you're watching or listening. We're recapping Virginia Tech's 24-17 win over Furman. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes, Will Stewart on set with Chris Coleman, and I'm Evan Hughes. Guys, let's transition. We talked about the offense. Let's talk about the defense because there were some guys that really stepped up. 
made some names for themselves in this game. Uh, I want to do. I want to look at the box score though. Dax Hollyfield had a rebound game from Old Dominion. He led uh, the team in tackles with ten. Eight of them were assists, however, two were solo. Chamari Connor, seven solo tackles, eight total second on the team. And then guys like Eli Adams had seven tackles. And we saw Deshaun Crawford get his first sack of his tech career. Will, it felt like some guys stepped up that we hadn't talked about, and it was good to see the progression of some of those guys. With the caveat that it's Furman. But then again, Furman's supposed to have a good off- offense. Um, so the guys that stood out to me were uh, Crawford. He had a really good game. Um, just being disruptive in the middle. Never mind the stats. I noticed him a lot. Number mm-hmm. number thirty six was very active. Uh, I texted Chris and I I just I missed who started at defensive end at the beginning of the game. And he said Eli Adams started. Adams had a good game too. Yeah, and and so he must be a better matchup for uh, for Furman. I don't think that means that I don't think that means that Adams is going to be the starter from here on out. That may have just been a matchup. Well, hopefully Garbutt's back soon, and yeah. then he's the starter. Um, Ch- Chamari Connor is a guy that, you know, we're we're high on here at Tech Sideline. He's got the size, and he got uncorked. Bud Bud got him some some plays in space and sent him in, and uh, I th- I think that looks promising. Uh, let's see who else. Um, Dax, you know, uh, Dax played better. Uh, he still uh, took a couple of wrong angles here and there, and he did miss. He he did have one tackle in the hole that he flat missed. Yeah, so he's actually listed with three missed tackles on Pro Football Focus for yesterday. Yeah, so he has a really high run defense grade, as in he he was there. He he got in the right spot, but then he missed. His tackling grade was very poor. Yeah. He was still, I think, the third highest rated defender for Tech. He did have a forced fumble as well. I should right. add. Right. And, you know, it's the fact that uh, – so part of me wants to say 10 tackles but eight of them were assists indicates you to you that he's showing up at the spot while other people have gotten there first. You like your, your backer and, you know, and I, and I actually want to do this analysis, go back and look at backers and mics of the past and what percentage of their tackles are assisted versus unassisted before I kind of go down that path and, and say things maybe I shouldn't say. Uh, but that said, you know, the fumble was forced because Dax showed up after mm-hmm. Chamari Connor, I think, had already made the initial hit. It was Dax that made that play happen. Um, and that's what we want out of the Tech defense anyway. I would actually uh, – I've looked at a lot of box scores over the years, and I looked at one box score. I don't remember what year it was. Or it was a road game, so the, the road crew's keeping the stats. Virginia Tech's not keeping the stats. And – Whoever it was was handing out tackling assists like candy. I totaled up the number of unassisted tackles and assisted tackles. And it was what, what, what year was this? I don't remember what year it was. Was, was it, it Boston College? Uh, what, do, what do you think? I, I don't know. Uh, I remember my old roommate, uh, Vince Hall, used to thank him for the number. Uh, my old roommate used to uh, be keep the guy stats. who would, would keep stats for tech, and Vince Hall used to thank him for giving him so many tackles. It's like, it's like all, all, all Oprah, you get a tackle, you get a tackle, you get yeah, a tackle, yeah. you know. And, and um, so, but, but it's what you want to see out of your defense is you want to see more than one guy showing up. Well, you know, what's interesting is comparing the pro fo- football focus tackles to the Hokie sports tackles. Mm-hmm. Now, the Hokie sports tackles, you know, they're kept real time yeah. by, by probably either a lowly paid employee or an intern. Who's doing? Who's doing the box score, you know, live stats and everything like that, and then they go into the box score. Pro Football Focus, they watch the film, so they're able to get a clearer they view. They back up, right? Right. So they've got Dax with five tackles and Shamari with ten. Dax mm. with five tackles total. I don't. Rem- I think it was five 
solo and one okay. assist maybe. I don't I don't remember. I don't have it right in front of me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Jamari, they had him with ten tackles. Uh, so they've got they had Jamari with more than Virginia Tech credited him for, and Dax with fewer than Virginia Tech credited him for. And, and, and you see some humorous things if if you look through a lot of play by play and box score like I do. Like uh, what what game was it? The ODU game where Caleb Stewart got a carry and and they gave it to Chase Matheny. Chase right, also right, wears right. number thirty. Yeah, you yeah. know and. Um, what did they uh, they gave somebody a punt return? Like they gave Deshaun Crawford a punt return. Hezekiah Grimsley's back there wearing number six, and somehow that got turned into number thirty six. You know, so you see this stuff, and it, it generally gets corrected later. Right. I I think back when Frank and his guys used to sit and review film on Sunday morning, I think they would send the corrected stats to Dave Smith's team. Mm-hmm. So you would see the the stats right after the game, and then you'd see. And I'm talking about tackling specifically. You'd see the tackling stats right after the game, and then you see the tackling stats um, after the because what staff what came up on Beamerball.com with uh, post game interviews the day after were always a little bit different than you saw on Hokie Sports. Yeah, because yeah. the coaches had done the review and counted them up themselves. Right. Interesting. Okay. All right. So again, some guys took some steps forward this week. Jamari Connor uh, had a solid game for Tech. It was good to see Eli Adams step up, and uh, it's interesting with Pro Football Focus how they. You know, can, can yeah. vary a little bit. So, yeah. um, let's do this. Let's throw it over to Malcolm. Yes, he's related, Stuart. Uh, let's take a look and see if we have any questions at this point. Any comments, and, uh, and then we'll get in some big picture thoughts and get ready to wrap things up here. Uh, there's a lot of a lot about Ryan Willis. Uh, should he be benched? Should he and Hooker start switching out? Somebody referenced when Sean Glennon and Tyrod Taylor did that, mm-hmm. and it worked out. It's uh, a good question. Uh, you know, in 2007, for all the flack Stein he got, he managed that quarterback situation in 2007 brilliantly. The rotation. I mean, you could not possibly be managed any better than Brian Steinspring managed. I remember there are games where, like, like didn't Tyrod play almost the entire game against Duke that year? Well, Tyrod was the starter early in the year. Remember, they, they benched Glennon, and then Tyrod was a full-time starter. Tyrod got hurt against Duke. They brought was Glennon back. Was that that really in. cold game? No, it was early. It was Different was early game. in okay. the season. Uh, uh, this was September at Duke. The okay. cold game was the next year when it was so awful. For a reason. Yeah, uh, but the, you know they, they did have a quarterback rotation for the second half of that year, basically, and you know it, it, they'd bring in Tyrod, and yes, they'd run read option and stuff like that. But they also let him throw it enough to where it kept defenses on their on their toes. So just really, really well done by that staff. What makes it really difficult these days is obviously the Virginia Tech offense would look a lot different with Hendon Hooker in there. Uh, it would help the running game. It would probably we think. Hurt, we think it would probably hurt the passing game. We think, but how much? You know, would the improvement in run in the running game help offset the improvement or the the regression in the passing right. game? Uh, you know, so which which would come out ahead there? You have to balance that out in your head. I think the coaches are thinking, okay, Willis is a better passer. Our strength is at wide receiver, so. We start, we start the better passer. So right? if, if you're three years down the road and all these young offensive linemen are still in the program and developing and, and you're suddenly a better run-blocking team mm-hmm. and Kashawn King is, is 200 pounds instead of 185, you know, maybe your thinking changes. Right, maybe. Uh, that's possible. And also another thing these days is, you know, teams, they, they just don't go full contact in practice as much as they used to. And even when they do, they put the – the yellow jersey on their quarterback, or it was yellow jersey when Frank was here. I don't think it's yellow jersey anymore. I think it's orange. I think yeah. it's orange, These yeah. guys do orange. Uh, so quarterbacks don't do contact uh, scrimmage work. 
you can't you don't you can't really know what Hendon Hooker is going to bring to your offense unless he goes full, unless you you allow him to be tackled to the ground, instead of blowing a whistle when anybody gets gets within two yards of him. You can't truly tell what he would bring to your offense in practice in a practice situation, um, and that's why I'm I'm really disappointed that Virginia Tech struggled to put away Old Dominion and Furman, uh, because and le, and le, you you don't want to. I don't know, putting a hooker in there could help. It could also hurt. You don't want to take that chance against against Duke, right? You, you want to have some evidence beforehand. And now that, you know, because they struggled against the against those two teams, you, you don't you don't have any evidence either know. way. So it's, I, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it's, it's a coin flip. I don't know what it would do. And this is something that builds on itself. And what it makes me think of is back before there were 99 bowl games, you know, not every team went to a bowl. And if you went to a bowl, that meant you got something like 15 extra practices. And so teams would go to bowls year after year, and they would just get better and better and have more and more practice than teams that weren't going to bowls. Mm -hmm. And it built on itself. And the inability to blow teams out and get meaningful film on your backups is also something that builds on itself in a negative way. You know, you just just can't get enough uh, film and really see how you guys are doing. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, anything else over there, Malcolm? Yes, he's related, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, we just got a question from Billy Lester. Do you think the young team has more potential to improve versus last year, given better chemistry and unity? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think their chemistry's fine and all that. Um, the thing is, I, I'd have to go and run the numbers. I think they're probably even younger this year because of who they're playing up front on the offensive line. I'd like to get Hoyt back at center. Uh, ideally, you, you know, you'd like to have Janzy playing well so you can have options. Like, okay, maybe you could move him to right guard and start Tanuta at right tackle, which is, I think, I think what they wanted to do at one point during the preseason. I was going to ask you, do you think Janzy's built – he's 6'5", but do you think he's built more like a guard? <sighs> I don't know. I think he's one of those guys that could play either one. I always viewed him as a pure tackle until this year. Yeah. Um, but I now, think now he, when Tanuda comes in, Tanuda looks definitely, like a tackle. Definitely yeah. a tackle. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I get. get yes. Yeah, so uh, he's having trouble with that edge rush. So maybe guard is a better, better fit for him. Uh, we'll see. I, I know uh, it's not fair that to to Brian Hudson that he's playing this year when he should be redshirting, and. We, we really need to make a bowl game to make that worthwhile. Because if you look back and, uh, at the end of the season and say we blew Brian Hudson's red shirt and, 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 and we went, didn't and even make a bowl. <laughs> right, right, right. What was the point of that? We should have yeah. just started John Harris and preserved his red shirt, right? But anyway, back to the question. Uh, one of the, you know, are, are they going to gel? Are they going to get better as the season goes along? Well, you know, you hope so. Uh, um, I, I it, It's hard to say. One of the things that I worry about is, all the play and time taking its toll on Sean King mm-hmm. and him not being as good at the end of the year as he is now. Um, hard to say, man. It's an excellent question. When you, when you get, we're missing four starters on offense right now. Yeah. Missing Damon Hazelson, the number one receiver. Far, um, missing the starting center, uh, the starting right guard for BC, although I don't know if he would have held on to that job or not, but uh, TJ, TJ Jackson. TJ Jackson. And, the, and then Janzy is just absent. Oh, and you're missing Holston. Well, and Holston, yeah. you're right. Uh, so you're missing a whole bunch of starters or starting caliber players. Uh, Holston's not coming back. Um, right. Those other guys we think will be back. 
You mean it's not coming a, back for an extended period of time, or you think it could be a season? If he had surgery on his leg, I wouldn't think he'd be back right. at any point. Only well, reason asking because there's no maybe official for the, word. Maybe for the ball, of course. Yeah, but, there's uh, no. Yes, there's no official. There's, word, there's no official but word, but but I mean, I, I wouldn't think. I mean, e- even if it was one of those minor surgeries that he, where he'd be healed in six weeks, then you've still got to rehab and get back into game shape and all that stuff. Get, so get I'm, your, I'm, not anti- I'm not anticipating him being a factor at any point this year. Yeah. Um, so it's just so many key guys are out right now. So, yes, they can get better. Uh, if they get these guys, if they get Hazleton back, I'll feel better about it. If they get Hoyt, I mean, I, th- I think Hoyt is not a great player, but he's better. He's a better option than true freshman Brian Hudson, who's never played until last week It's it, it center. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think they can get better, yes, if they get some of these injured players back and, you know, their, their young guys, you know, show some improvement and things like that. There's obviously it's a lot of work to do. Um, but I, th- I do think the chemistry's fine. I don't think there's anything – I don't think the chemistry is an issue. Uh, I'm not, I don't think it was as big an issue as people made it out to be last year. If chemistry was an issue last year, then they wouldn't have shown all that grit down the stretch to, to come back from – a four and six record to qualify for a bowl game, right? Teams so, that have packed it in don't do that. Yeah, to draw a parallel, the Dolphins, who have who have pretty much quit, played well for one half against the Patriots yesterday. I don't. They were down something like it was sixteen nothing. Sixteen nothing yeah. at the half, and then they just gave up. Right. The second half, we got smoked like forty three to nothing. Right. You know, and we didn't see that kind of behavior out of Tech. Right. Well, not late in the season. Right. That was a great question. Awesome. Thank you, Malcolm. Anything else? Uh, question for Chris: Where do we get the net five bowl five wins to get bowl eligible? That's a good question. Well, Duke 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 has to be one of them, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you would think um, because yeah, we do need five more. Correct. Seven because, is the ma- the minimum to get to a bowl, right? Because we play two FCS teams this year, and right. the, and this is where right, yeah, and, and this is where canceling the ECU series could come up. Come back. I know fans loved it at the time and everything like that, but. If you could go get a win against ECU this year, then you only have to win six games to qualify for a bowl seven. instead of wow. seven. Now, to be fair, you know, you see a few five and seven teams go to bowl games each year because they're just not enough teams qualify. So maybe as a six and six team, Tech, Tech could, could slide into one of those spots this year, even if That's they aren't true. technically That's eligible. True. But still, theoretically, you need to win seven this year. Um uh, so let's actually. So, it's, you, know, it's, so you, you can't well, count. Do we want to go through the schedule right well, now? Okay, and you can't. Out. Rhode it's, Island doesn't yeah, go, count. Go ahead and pull it. It's it's, it's yeah. easier to come up with the losses. <laughs> Notre, Notre Dame would be two losses. <laughs> yeah. I think Miami's going to be a third loss because yes, that I, de- that defense I, is stout I, and that's a tough place I to agree play. With that. So you're up to three losses. Um, um, yeah. Uh, and remember, Rhode Island doesn't count. We've right. already got well, our one win. Counting towards the seven. So right, correct. So. Yeah. It, We've we've already got our one FCS win, counting towards uh, the seven. Yeah. So we can't count Rhode Island in the wins total at all. So Duke, and then you want me to give you, so you, the, the the games that you're picking from mm-hmm. Duke, Rhode Island, but we're assuming well, you, you, that's we, good, right. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. North North Carolina. Yeah. Notre mm-hmm. Dame, undefeated Wake Forest, Georgia Tech. Who just Ge- lost to the Citadel? The Citadel. Well, G- Georgia Tech is a must-win. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You have to go down there and beat Georgia Tech. Uh, Pittsburgh. And now, Virginia. now, now, Pittsburgh is. Uh, 
I haven't paid a lot of attention to them, but I did notice in looking at the stats that they're not running the no, ball. No, they can't well. run the ball this year. They can't um, run the ball. They haven't scored a touchdown in any quarter but the second quarter so yeah, far. Yeah, they're, they're a poor offensive team. Right. Um, so uh, Really and, poor. And that game is it's here. And it's, here. And it's Bud Foster's last game. All right, so Georgia Senior Tech day. is a must win to get Senior you to day. three. Rhode Island to get you to four. I know it doesn't count. Uh, so you're, you're basically trying to find three wins between – Wake Forest, North Carolina, Virginia, and Pittsburgh. And Duke. And Duke. Duke. And Duke. So you got to win three of those five is what it boils down to Oof. is what you're saying. Did, did you think you'd be sitting here at this point in the season with, with the schedule as weak as it is? Now, granted, some teams have been better than I thought. UVA's looked better than I thought. Carolina. Yep. Looked, has and wait, been, I'm t- I think Wake Forest is the underrated team in the ACC. Yeah, right see, now. They, they lost. I think they lost a long time starter, starter at quarterback, and I, I think I'm not sure. They're just running read option like crazy with this new guy. Man, and, and the okay. the pace they run on offense, and that guy Carney they've got it. Uh, yeah, they're they're they're, they're some, really well coached team. Uh, I haven't looked at their depth chart, but they seem prob they're probably a pretty experienced team on the lines and everything like that. And Clawson so, so, gets the most he can get out of his talent. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, they're they're towards the end of Jim Grobe's career. Grobe, right? Uh, Grobe's career. They were really tailing off, and and I'm not seeing that with Clawson. Uh, no, yeah, not so far. Yeah. Um, I I, th- I do think uh, when that game's in November, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think Tech has more room for growth than Wake Forest. Probably between, yeah. between yeah. now and then, for sure. So that's the thing that's got to happen. I, th- I think know. they've got more room for growth between now and then than than Pitt. Uh, Probably I don't, I don't know about Georgia Tech. I just think Georgia Tech's going to be bad, yeah. so bad. I don't know that Georgia Tech's going to win an ACC game this year. I haven't looked at their schedule. Right, right. But, yeah, yeah, just losing to the Citadel, and it's not, honestly, it didn't surprise me. Well, it's a huge I, I, rebuild. Well, it's a huge on. rebuild. I mean, we, and we, you're running we, a triple option off a triple option based team into a spread. Oh, team. Yeah, to, yeah, to do that in a year is impossible. I was surprised they beat USF. That's what's that's the score that surprised yeah. me. The yeah. Citadel score didn't surprise yeah. me. All right, so you, you quickly you look at Wake Forest, their schedule. I, I was reading before the season started. Somebody in North Carolina was a pretty reliable football credible source had Wake Forest being undefeated coming into Blacksburg, which you look at their schedule of Elon, Boston College. Louisville, Florida State's the FE1 in North Carolina State. That's who they have in front of them. And the way they're oh, playing. Oh, really? No, see, they'll drop one of those, or maybe two. But still, they're going to have a good still, record. They're going to have I a mean, good record <laughs> coming in here. See, NC State? I think NC State could they, no, I, they no, get, Did you see what NC State did that last was weekend? I did not, actually. They got smacked by West Virginia, who had just gotten smacked by Missouri, who lost to Wyoming. And I know the transitive, transitive property, property and everything. I'm going to start calling but, the transitive property of football right. with a W at the end. So, right. I'm just, you know, you, you, so you, they've got Florida State at home. They've got uh, NC State at home. And they've got Louisville at home. They do go to Chestnut Hill. So, I don't, I don't know if I'm buying into that, but I'm just basically – saying that Wake Forest, I think, is that team in the ACC that will catch people. I, I think there's a number of ACC teams that, that are pretty much the same. They all have certain strengths and they all have certain weaknesses. And some have peaked already. Maybe some will peak later. Uh, but I, I just I, – for most of the conference, I just I just don't see a whole lot of difference between teams. So, so real quick, to answer the question officially, what games do you see Virginia Tech getting to Winning? get to seven wins? Yes. Uh, George, they'll, they'll beat Georgia Tech. Great. <laughs> Should <laughs> so Duke that'll get you to four wins. Uh, Rhode Island gets you. I, I got to study Duke. Uh, du- right. What they've done with their quarterback this right. year is impressive. Well, now the question is, which games do they have to win to get to seven? Oh, well, oh yes, right. And you can you can answer without knowing. Absolutely, they Duke, have to. Duke, Georgia Tech, Duke, Georgia Tech. That would be two. 
So that gets you to Pittsburgh. Four. Pitt might be on that list. Pitt's probably on that list. That would be five. Rhode probably, Island six. Honestly, those home games. Well, Rhode oh. Island doesn't count. Are they? Right? Get, are they? Or, no, no, no. Yes, they do. They count to seven. I'm saying to get to seven. seven. We're, we're yeah, including yeah, yeah. Rhode I, Island. I got yeah. you. I got you. So they basically have to win all their home games, right? Yes. Yes. And, 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 and of course, North Carolina. Georgia been, Tech on the road. Right. And UNC is obviously one of those teams that nobody really saw being as good as they've been. And is that going to last? Right. They, the, did, the, they the just more, lost the, to Wake Forest. The more film, you know, it was a tale of two halves. They were awful in the first half and played better than Wake in the second. Similar half. to South Carolina game. They uh, were down. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, the more film gets out on the freshman quarterback, the easier they'll be to defend, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I th- that's fairly typical. I don't know what their upcoming schedule looks like, but I- I'm not saying Carolina can't come in the to Tech and beat Lane Stadium, obviously they can. If Furman almost can, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I I I would pick Tech to win that game, uh, in, in my opinion. I know, and I know Tech hasn't looked great, but I mean, it's for what for knowing how I know Fuente feels about North Carolina, he probably spent half the offseason game planning for them. Right. So. Uh, so again, just to recap, we've got Rhode Island, Duke, Pitt, Georgia Tech, and that home, is the home six. games plus Georgia Tech. And then North Carolina is what, so that's the that's the magic number to seven. I don't want to have to go to Charlottesville needing to win no, the seventh no, no, game. No, so um, that's very unlikely. You know, Tech UVA was better than Tech last year, and Tech still won. Generally, you don't go two years in a row beating a team that's better than you. And and it's yeah, and and it's not just that, but it's it's the ways that UVA has found to lose to Tech. So one of the things I've been yeah, telling people, yeah. and I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or not, is. When UVA finally beats Tech, I'll bet you it'll be by two or three touchdowns. Right. It won't be close. Well, you remember like the 2003 game when Tech had beaten them four years in a row, which was back then was a lot was for a lot. One, for one team to win consecutively in that rivalry. And then and then UVA won 35-21 in, in 2003. Yeah, and it, and it was one of those that didn't feel like it was that close. Well, and Tech, Tech was winning that game actually at halftime, believe it or well, not. Well, that, that was the one that uh, um, Eric Green blocked, blocked a punt. punt that, lined up off sides. That Tech, I think, ran back for a touchdown. And sure Green was called up for a line it, it, it was 21 to 21 at the time. Blocked the punt, ran it back for a touchdown, but it was off sides. So instead of being 28 to 21 Tech, UVA went on to win 35 to 21. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it all turned yeah. after that. Yep. One thing I'll say about UVA, I, I was doing some just a little bit of homework looking at this. They play Old Dominion this week. They're ranked 21st. If Notre Dame beats Georgia, Notre Dame's probably going to be in the top five. Mm-hmm. And Virginia's going to probably be in the top 17. And there's a chance that's going to be college game day in South Bend, potentially back-to-back. There's a chance that UVA-Notre Dame could be the 8 o'clock kick in two weeks. It, it, bo- that it bothers me that UVA gets Notre, just gets to go to South Bend in September for the second time in a row Virginia Tech's trip Tech's there. going in November. November. So let me throw in a uh, promo. Uh, we are doing yeah. a uh, we're doing a tailgate with a group called Tailgate the Bend. So uh, tailgatethebend.com. The Bend is in South Bend. And uh, for uh, 95 bucks, I believe, is the fee. Um, you get unlimited food, unlimited beer, cash liquor bar, live music. So... Look that up. Go to, uh, I'm trying to think. So, so do this. On your computer, Google Tailgate the Bend Tech Sideline. And then you'll find a link and you can read all about it. And uh, um, come up there and tailgate with us, man. We'll be there. That, that is a, um, it's pricey, but yeah, that's, that's a, it's going to be some great food, good beer, you know. Good times. A, good times. Um, all right. So I know we're running a little bit short on time, but one thing I wanted to get to, and I'll kind of leave it as a tease, Will. 
Um, I know when you get your Monday Thoughts article, it's getting ready to come out. And you will be talking a little bit about how the last two games, while they have been wins for Virginia Tech, how those two games have gone if it has affected the culture, perception the, of Virginia Tech football. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? The of the tease? fan base. Um, it's, it's hard to sort out the lunatic fringe from the rest. Like everybody, I talk to people. You know, and, but I can't talk to all of them. I just know that at halftime when it was 14 to 3, uh, a lot of people left. And I'm not just talking about the students. That gets yeah. talked about, how the north end zone emptied out. A lot of other people left, too. And uh, um, we talked about the energy level in the stadium. I don't really want to make sweeping statements yet. Um, attendance was listed at 52,000 the other day. That is not rock bottom since the sellouts that, ended that, in the 2020. Pit game in 2015. The pit game in 2015. When it was or so 20, rainy. 2014 or 2015. 2015. I, I think that attendance was actually in the high 40s. Yeah. And and honestly, it was like 30,000 probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was yeah, uh, It was bad. It's, it's, it's a dicey time because they're going to do a stadium reseeding next year. And the. I don't want to make sweeping statements, but a lot of the fan base is starting to tune out and just kind of push back from the table. And there are elements of the fan base that have decided Fuente is not the guy. And uh, are those just loudmouths on Twitter and Facebook? Or are those people that, in air quotes, matter? I don't know at this point. And, and, and when we start talking like this, we get criticized for it. Fuente's great. He's the guy. You need to stop being so negative. This is what the fans are talking about. This is why I'm talking about it, because right. the fans are talking about it. If the fans weren't talking about it, I wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. You know, but but it's it's the elephant in the room. It's starting to happen. Portions of the fan base are turning on Fuente. And I'll put this in my article today. Virginia Tech is minus 40 against the spread this year in three games. They were favored by four and a half at BC and lost by seven. They were favored by 28 over ODU and one by 14. They were favored by 21 and a half over Furman and one by seven. Uh, betters haven't gotten smart yet. Vegas hasn't gotten smart yet. But it feeds into perception and perception feeds into engagement and engagement feeds into money and ticket sales. It's that simple, you know, and, and, and the perception and the engagement are starting to decline. Uh, so I'm not a guy to say he's got to turn it around right now. No. Yeah. I'm not, you're not going to say that because it's not going to get fired at the end of the, this year no. unless, unless somebody magically donates $15 million to Virginia Tech. Somebody, well, and, and, again, and even then, Witt would have to want to fire him, right? Right. And, so, and, and the buyout the buyout can be spread out. It can be. You it know. can be. But that's so, still, you know, that's not a – and you don't it, want to be paying for two football staffs at the same time. Uh, if, 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 if you're if Virginia you're, Tech. If, if you're the financial place Virginia Tech is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I wrote an article, and, and it, was, it was criticized in July – and this was my article in July that the next 18 months are critical for Justin Fuente. And those 18 months include, you know, the 2020 recruiting class is not getting people excited. So yeah. that, that's off the table. The 18 months includes two full football seasons and a 2021 recruiting class. Right. And the first, el the first of those three elements, the, 2020, the 2019 football season, that's not going well. It's not going well. And the second element, the 2020 recruiting class, 
probably isn't going to go well. well that's either. actually that's actually not part of my thinking. I'm I'm writing that off. It's the okay. 2021 okay. recruiting class I'm talking. Okay. About. I was, see, I was thinking four elements. This no. season, the 2020 recruiting class, next season, and then the 2021. Now, the story class. of the 2020 recruiting class is already told. Yeah. There, there's no much. four stars out there, you know. Again, I don't, it's I don't, a, it's a, well, the thing is, you don't know who the defensive coordinator is going to be. What, 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 and who he's going to bring and with who him. And who he can possibly bring with him. Yeah. Um, you also don't know if Fuente will make any offensive coaching staff changes. Uh, um. You know, Frank Beamer's loyalty is one of the reasons Virginia Tech was so successful over the years, but it was also one of the things that when we reached our peak as a program and the only way we could act possibly get better is by bringing in new offensive coaches, that he didn't do it. That held the program back. Um, is Fuente – if Fuente gets to the end of this season and decides, you know, I, I might need to make a couple of changes on the offensive side of the ball, will he do it? Is he as loyal as, as, as Frank? I, I don't know. And I'm not saying that they, sh they should make changes. I'm just saying These if he comes to that These are discussions that are occurring. We're talking about right. it because other people are talking about Correct. it. Correct. Right. Um, and if he wants to, does he feel like he can? Does he want to turn over staff on both sides of the ball in the, in the same offseason? So it's horrible timing so, so from then, that standpoint. So then what happens is you're four years in and you just rolled over 70% of your coaching staff. Right. It's like right. pushing a reset button. Right. It's, it's Yeah, absolutely. You know? But – that might be if, – if you're going to do that, do it this year when it's a small recruiting class. And if anything, you're not going to lose anybody greatly important most likely. And maybe even you bring in somebody that you wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's a so, long, so it's a long way between now and the end of the season. Right. I was – yes. I was – we'll tease that for the – and yeah. we do have a podcast on – on Wednesday, which we'll you know we'll talk about some more things with it being a bye week, but yeah, we don't have a um, game coming up, so we'll talk about. We probably should have yeah. talked about the whole student uh, north end zone thing on Wednesday <laughs> right. instead of today. I enjoy when we have a chance. It was worth worth bringing up. So yeah. uh, we have gone over an hour, so it has been a very successful. And we, and we said we were going to do two podcasts a week at thirty to forty five minutes, and yeah. here we go doing an hour long. It, it's it's on me. I need to you know. So, uh, yeah. but great talk. First of all, thanks everybody on Facebook for dropping some fantastic questions. As I always do to close podcasts, Chris. What's happening on TSL this week? Oh, we will. I have, can't wait to see the inside of the numbers this week. Yeah, no kidding. I can't wait to write it. That that that'll be out. Do I normally do that? I do normally do that on Tuesdays. So yeah, yeah that'll I, be that'll I, be on Tuesday. I, I want to see Crawford's numbers, Connor's yeah. numbers. You've already you've already teased. Crawford didn't grade out as high as you would think. You, but you, you've already teased Jansy's numbers. They they weren't good. They were awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll have that. True freshman report as always. Friday Q and A. I don't know what we're going to do on Wednesday in place of a game preview. I haven't had a chance. I'm going to work on the podcast sets on this yeah. week. I think. Uh, yeah. Nice. Right. Awesome. Well, the, cool. The, the operation. Um, and maybe we'll do a movie review on Wednesday. I kind of enjoyed that. We did a It Two review last <laughs> week. Malcolm saw It Two last night. You yeah. know, I almost went to go see it last night. So I, you know, yeah. yeah. All right, well, listen, that's going to do it for this week's, uh, this Monday's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Of course, we'll be back recording on Wednesday, probably around 9.30 in the morning again when we start recording right. this week. Hope you can join us on Facebook Live. If not, it's archived on Facebook, YouTube, many places, and, of course, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, we've got you for the audio. Uh, we will be talking about Virginia Tech's upcoming bye week, and uh, we haven't really gotten too far yet, but we'll talk about the bye week. But we'll have some fun podcasts on Wednesday. Hope you can join us. Of course, follow us on social media. We're on tech, uh, at Tech Sideline on both Facebook and 
Twitter. That'll do it for this week's podcast. For our producer behind the set, he is Malcolm. Yes, he's related to Stewart. Our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. Our managing editor, Chris Coleman. My name is Evan Hughes saying so long. Hope you can join us Wednesday. This has been the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by Fisher Law Firm.